Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Perky Avos podcast, where we live with the ethics of the Torah. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out to me at Rabbi Shlomo Kohn with a K at gmail.com. For today's Mishnah, we begin with Perik Hay, Mishnah Ches, Chapter 5, Mishnah 8. Asara Dvarim Nivru Be'erav Shabbos Bin Ashmashos. Ten things were created on Shabbos Eve at twilight. So we're continuing in this Mishnah with the themes of ten that we've been dealing with with the past weeks. We've had ten generations, ten miracles happened in the temple. Now ten miraculous things were created on Shabbos Eve before twilight or by twilight during the six days of creation. So the Mishnah, let's start again. There were 10 things that were created on Shabbos Eve, meaning in the beginning when God created the world on the, the sixth day, right before Shabbos, before he stopped creating, because when Shabbos came, Hashem rested. Hashem stopped from being a creator. He stopped, or he, Hashem stopped from creating. And right before then, at the twilight time, which is called Bein Hashmashos, which is not day, not night, but it's sort of the last moments till we get to for sure night, there were 10 things that were created. And the Mishnah goes through them. Elohim, And they are. Pihaaretz. The mouth of the earth. Upihabe'er. And the mouth of the well. Pia Ason, the mouth of the donkey. We'll explain what this means as we go through the Mishnah after. The Akeshes and the rainbow. The Hamon and the mana. The Hamata and the stick, which is referring to Moshe's stick. The Hashamir, which is the Shamir worm. The Aksav, the script. And the inscription, the aluchos, and the tablets. The Yeshomrim, and those who say, and even the, or also the destructive spirits, and the burial place of Moshe Rabbeinu, of Moses, and the ram of Avram, Abraham. And some say also the tongs which were made the first tongs. The tongs which made the first tongs. A tongue is something that you grab stuff with. So in order to make a tongue, you need another one. So there is an opinion that, that say that the first tongue was created during that time as well. So I want to go through this mission a little bit and explain some of the ideas that we could learn. The first thing I wanted to talk about is that there's a concept called, and it's brought down by Shlomo HaMelech, by King Solomon, that there's nothing new under the sun. That when Hashem created the world, he created that everything humanity was going to need from now till the end of times. There's nothing new that's being 
created now. Everything was here from the six days of creation. Nothing is lacking. Now, we don't believe in this phenomenon that things just pop up now. You know, it's, it's easy to believe that because many times we hear that there's this end of the world syndrome, that something new is popping up and the end of the world is going to happen very soon. And, and a lot of times it's, it's the media that wants to drive up the ratings. So they have to keep it on a negative tone and they want to make everyone scared. So we keep watching, keep watching, keep the ratings up. We have to remember that and we see this from this Mishnah as well, that there's nothing new under the sun. The problems that quote unquote plague humanity today have been plaguing humanity before. The problems that we have to deal with are problems that have been dealt with before and that will have to be dealt with again. Maybe it hasn't been so common. Maybe it hasn't affected on such a scale, but it, there's no such thing as new things just coming out of nowhere and it's going to cause the end of the world. We, we don't believe in that. And it just, this is a outlook, which I think is important. And we see this from the Mishnah is that because the Mishnah is teaching us is really showing this idea that everything was created. Everything that humanity needed was set forth in this world. And all the issues that we have were all, everything was encapsulated into creation. So when people come to say that this is a new issue, we've never faced it before, it's really a little bit of playing into people's emotions. And the Jewish outlook is that everything was set by God, is set, is set by God, and we have everything we need to get through any given situation. And the reason why this is important to remember is because when we remember that the problems that we are facing today are problems that we have faced in the past, maybe a little differently, and, they are, and they're problems that we will have to face in the future, it helps us deal with the situation because, it, number one, it gives us strength, and it, and it makes the scenario a little easier to deal with. Let's think about our current situation. You know, the first thing which comes to mind nowadays to people when you think of phenomenon, this pandemic, the corona, coronavirus. Has the world had pandemics before? Yes. Maybe it hasn't happened in our lifetime for most of us, but it's happened. And the world's gotten through it. It didn't cause the end of the world. People passed away. And I'm not taking away from that pain and the challenges people went through. But humanity as a whole pretty much continued in the same way. It didn't stop civilization as we know it. And you think about it, at the beginning of this pandemic, we were all scared. What's going to be? How are things going to look? How are we going to get out of it? Right? And it seems now, thank God, that we're coming out of this. Obviously, God is in control, and we don't know what's going to be. But things are pretty much, when I say the same, I don't mean that we're the same. You know, hopefully we, we grew from this experience. But what I mean is the world is the same. 
you're, you know, you, you turn your light on in your house, it goes on. You go to the grocery store and thank God there's food there. You turn on your water, the water's still there. This society is still functioning. People aren't, it's not mayhem, thank God. And the point is, is that this wasn't something that just happened now for the first time. It's something which was, it's happened already, right? And it could happen again. And we're still around. So having this idea in our minds that everything was created at the beginning and Hashem's in charge gives us or helps us deal with a situation that the world is not going to come to the end because of something that happened. It helps us deal with situations. And, and this could be also on a personal level as well, that when we have a personal scenario or a personal problem, if we realize that other people as well have had this issue, whatever it may be, it makes it a little easier for us to handle. It makes it, it makes the problem not as big as it seems to us. Because when we sort of realize that there's other people that have these problems, it becomes easier to handle. And I think that's probably the idea of support groups. When a person is part of a support group for whatever it may be, from Alcoholics Anonymous to uh, weight loss to gambling, the fact that they're with other people who face similar problems and similar challenges makes the issue easier to deal with because it minimizes it. It makes it smaller. So I think this idea can help us both on a personal level and on a general level. That if we have a personal issue, we should realize that we're not the only ones who have this issue. And on a humanity, on a general level, that the mankind, when a problem faces a country or a or a whole, or the whole world, we should realize that that there's nothing new under the sun, and things that are, things that are happening have happened before, and they will probably happen again. So that's one idea from the Mishnah. So now the Mishnah brings down ten miraculous things that were created during Bain Hashmashos. So as I mentioned before, Bein Hashmoshos is the, is the term, the Hebrew term that's used for twilight, like right now. If you look outside, it's about 8.38 p.m. And it's starting to get a little dark. Is it day? Is it night? It's questionable. Until it becomes Tzesach HaKochavim, that's halachic nightfall, when the stars come out. So then it's not considered night. But at the same time, it's not considered day because sunset is the end of the day. So what is this time? So in, in halacha, it's referred to as bein hashmashos, twilight. And it's sort of the last possible moments before total nightfall. Now, there's two questions that you could ask about these 10 miraculous events or things that were created during this time. Number one is, why were these miracles or creations, miraculous creations, created during twilight? Couldn't God have created it during the first six days of creation? Why, well, he forgot to do it? 
And now suddenly he's like, oh, I forgot. It's before Shabbos. I quickly got to create a few things. What's going on? God is not like us. Where we relieve things to the last second. God could have, could have done it during the first six days of creation. Number two is, is why were these 10 mir- miraculous events inc- listed here in this Mishnah? You know, there were other miraculous things that happened to the Jewish people throughout our history. Where's the splitting of the sea? Where's um, the 10 Makos, the 10 plagues? They're not listed here. So why were only specifically these 10 included in the Mishnah? Why are these 10 miracles specially created during Benash Mashos, during, during twilight? What happened to the other miracles? Were they not also created? I thought we just said everything was created beforehand during the six days of creation. So now why are we only listing these specific 10? What about the splitting of the sea? The 10 Makos? So now there's two answers that I wanted to to give over here that can answer our two questions. The first question which we had was, why did God have to wait till twilight to create these 10 miraculous events or 10 miraculous creations? Is that I saw brought down from Reuven Feinstein Shlita that God waited to the last moments of creation to create these creations or to bring these miraculous things into existence, even though he could have during the first six days, because these 10 miracles are different. These 10 miracles were theoretically not necessary. What do I mean by that? When Adam Harishan, when Adam lived in the gar- Garden of, Ad- of Eden, Gan Eden, the plan was he was not supposed to eat from the tree of knowledge. And if he, would have, if he would not have eaten from the tree of knowledge, there would be a different existence than what we have today. We would be in existence, but it would be a different type of existence. And what happened? Adam ate from the tree and therefore was punished. And as a result of that, his descendants, us, mankind, were also punished into this different plan that God had for us. Now, during the six days of creation, even though God saw that Adam Harishon was going to sin, right? There's a, there's a separate conversation of how do we have free will? And we do have free will, which is for a different time. But God foresaw that Adam was going to fall. And these 10 miracles are, were really not necessary. They only became necessary after the sin of eating from the tree. Had Adam not eaten from the tree, these 10 miraculous events would not have been necessary for the Jewish people. It only became a necessity once Adam Harishon, Adam, sinned and ate from the tree that now we, the Jewish people, needed these 10 miraculous events to help us through our 6,000 years that we have now on the earth, earth as we know it. But the reason why Hashem waited until the last moment to create these 10 miracles is that he was showing us, he was waiting, or he was giving us a lesson. That the fact that Hashem waited was that he was trying to show us how the earth was supposed to be. That by creating the world in its intended form, he was showing us what could have been had Adam Harishon not sinned. 
And that's why he waited to the last possible moment before Shabbos, before the Sabbath, to create these 10 miraculous events that would help us after Adam Arishon made the sin or help the descendants of Adam Arishon after the sin was committed. And the lesson that we can learn from this is that we all have ideals and we need to have ideals. We need things to strive for, to look up to. We can't just go with the routine of life and just do what we're doing yesterday and keep doing it. There is importance to routine, you're right. But we have to strive for something. We have to have things that we can reach for. That's what I take from this lesson. That the fact that Hashem showed us how the world could have been had Adam Harisha not sinned is sort of showing us that we need to have an outlook that we're going for the stars. And there's an expression is that if you reach for the stars, you'll get, the, you'll get to the sky. Or I think it's if you go for the stars, you'll reach for the sky. The idea is, is that if we have high aspirations of where we want to go and how we want to live our life, you're right. The, the practicality of what we will do in the real world might be different at times. But if we don't have those aspirations, we'll never have something to go for. We'll just be stuck in mediocrity. There's a story, there's a great Torah sage, Rabbarach Ber Leibowitz, who said that when he was studying in yeshiva, he aspired to be like Reb Chaim Brisker. Reb Chaim Brisk is like considered the father of the yeshiva systems. The way that people learn in yeshiva is all based off the methodology of Reb Chaim Brisk. And he said, because I had the goal or the aspiration to be Reb Chaim, I became Reb Baruch Ber. Meaning he, beca- he only became the great sage that he was because he had aspirations to be greater than himself. And that's why he became himself. So the idea is, is that there's the ideal of what we want to be. And then there's sometimes what, we, what happens in the real world and where we end up. But if we don't have that outlook to look to the stars, so then we can never expect to, to be higher than, to, or to get out of that mediocrity, to be more than what we could. So just an important outlook to have when it comes to service of Hashem, to have those ideal goals. Maybe it seems a little bit far out of our reach, but it's important to have them. And even if we won't reach it all the time, but at least we'll get closer than we would have been without those goals. Because if we don't have those aspirations, we'll never even get close. But if we have it, we will get there. And actually, it reminds me of a story. This is a made-up story, but there's some tribe somewhere that when a man wanted to get married to a wife, he would give the prospective wife a certain amount of cows. And depending how good the wife was, that's how many cows he would give to the wife. So if she was a good wife, she would be a four-cow wife. And if she was an excellent wife, it would be a five-cow wife. Now, in the village, there was a man one time who wanted to get married, and he offered 10 cows for a certain wife. And everyone in the village was talking, wow, have you heard about this, that this... 
He's offering 10 cows for his wife. And everyone was shocked. No one had ever even offered that many cows. You know, five was really an, a super, super wife. But 10 cows for a wife. And fine, he goes through it. He gives 10 cows for the wife. And everyone sees that this wife, she's amazing. She's able to take care of the kids, take care of the family, take care of everything. She was really a 10-cow wife. And she's a legend in her village. Years, years later, the father has a beautiful family. And he gathers his kids. And they ask him, said, Dad, how do you know that mom was a 10-cow wife? So he says, I want to tell you something. Your mom, she wasn't more than a two-cow wife. But when I gave her 10 cows, she believed she was a 10-cow wife and, and became the amazing woman she is. What's the moral of the story is that sometimes when we set our goals high, we, we make aspirations for ourselves. We become into that. We can, we can get to those goals. And it's important outlook. So let's continue a little more and finish some of the ideas in the Mishnah. And the, as far as answering our second question, why were these miracles listed in this Mishnah was because that these miracles were specific. These miracles were when nature was suspended as opposed to Kriyas Yamsuf, the splitting of the Red Sea, nature wasn't suspended. The, the, it wasn't necessary to separately create the, the miracle of Kriyas Yamsuf because that was hardwired into the actual creation itself. The other miracles that were not listed here were built into nature. That God, when he created the water, he created it with the intention that it was going to split at the time when the Jewish people came to the Yamsuf, to the Red Sea. But these 10 miraculous events and 10 miraculous creations were when nature was suspended. And therefore, that's why it warranted its own creation. Now, continuing through the, the 10 miracles, let's go through them. Number one, we said piaretz with the mouth of the earth. That's referring to the earth when the earth opened up for Korach. When Korach leads a rebellion against Moshe Rabbeinu, the earth opens up and swallows all of his followers. So that mouth was created during the sixth, during the twilight of the, of the sixth day. Pia be'er was the well of Miriam, the special well that the Jewish people drank when they were in the midbar in the desert. Pia asom. Pia Ason is referring to the mouth of the donkey. The mouth of the donkey is when Bilam, Bilam was the wicked sorcerer that came to curse the Jewish people. He was hired by the, by the Midianim, by the Midianites to curse the Jews. And as we know, God sent, he was riding a donkey and God made his donkey open his mouth and speak to Bilam to tell him to stop doing what he's doing. And that was a miracle. And that was a miracle. Now, just to stop for a moment, what is the big miraculous event of the fact that the donkey started talking? Fine, you're right. It is miraculous that a donkey should start talking. But what's the lesson that can we learn from it? And I want to bring this out. Is that Bilam was a wicked man. And when a donkey started talking to him, instead of taking a message that, wow, a donkey is talking to me, he pushes it aside and, and 
talks to it like it's just a regular thing. It's a regular occurrence. He doesn't take the message that Hashem is directly sending to him with something that's so out of the ordinary. Every one of us would recognize that God is sending us a message. And the lesson for us is that when, when things happen to us, that's out of the ordinary. Do we say, why did this happen to me? What is going on? And why is this happening to me? Do we look deeper than just considering it? It's an, an annoyance. Do we, are we, you know, God forbid, are we like Bilam who just say, who was just annoyed when this donkey wouldn't listen? He didn't take the message of, of what he was doing, rather just stop doing this donkey. So when we have things that happen to us, even if it's not as crazy as a donkey speaking, but they're out of the ordinary, there's something that slow us down or that are getting us out of whack. Do we ask ourselves, what's going on? Why is it happening? And that's just the message for ourselves that we should keep in mind. So let's continue with the 10 miracles. So we said, which is the donkey, as I mentioned before, is the rainbow. God made the rainbow as a covenant between the, the you, mankind and himself that he will not destroy the world with a flood. That also is a miracle as well. Vahamata is referring to the mata, the stick of Moshe Rabbeinu, which had God's name on it. And Moshe used it to, I guess, bring about the plagues and also the splitting of the sea. Vahashamir, which was this miraculous worm that it was, was able to cut through stone and they used it for the temple because as it's known, the temple, uh, a metal sword or knife cannot be used to cut the temple. And this special word, the special worm, King Solomon, Shlomo Melech got to cut through the rock and to make it correct sizes. Vaksav is referring to the, the script. It says that it refers to the Torah, which through which although given later was written in black fire on a surface of white fire from the time of creation. So it's referring to the Torah itself. Vahamichtav is the inscription it's the instruments that were used by God, as it were, to engrave the tablets with the Ten Commandments, which were miraculously written on both their sides. So referring to that, because when you looked at the tablets, the luchos, when we look at something that's engraved, if you look through it one way, it's the correct way to read it. And if you look through it the other way, it's going to read backwards. But the luchos were miraculous that the way it was written was the same on both sides. Even though the inscription went totally through the luchos, it was miraculous in the way that on each side, it was read the correct way, even though it totally it went through the whole thing. And that was also something which was created during the sixth day of creation. The haluchos and the tablets as well were created during this time on the sixth day. Now, the Yeshayim some say the spirits, which are the destructive spirits. The Kfurasa Shal Moshe Rabbeinu is the burial place of Moshe Rabbeinu, which we don't know till, till this day where Moshe Rabbeinu is. And it says in the Torah, no man knows his burial place. That in itself was also prepared beforehand. And the Isla Shal Avram Avinu and the Ram of Avram Avinu. When Avram Avinu went to sacrifice Isaac, Yitzchak, on the, on, by the Akedah, at the last moment, he's commanded by God to stop. And all of a sudden on the side, he sees a ram which has its horn stuck in, 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 the, in the thicket. And he takes that ram and sacrifices it instead of his son. Now, the, the interesting, there's a, there's a dispute as far as what was created. Was it the ram itself? Or was it the fact that it got stuck there at that time? 
Now there's it's an opinion, it's it's a machlokis, it's a dispute between Rashi and the Rav. And the Rav is a commentary on Mishnayas. Rashi explains that when when Hashem, when it says the Ailay Shal Avram, the ram of Avram refers to the actual ram. And a special ram was needed to be created at that time because of the sanctity. It had to be a pure ram, totally pure, because the binding of Yitzchak was so holy that only something with such a corresponding holiness could be offered instead of him. And the Rav explains that it was the fact that this ram was to be stuck at that time, at the right time, was what was, was the miracle that was created during the six days, during the sixth day at twilight. Now, and it's brought down in the Ra, in the Rav, Ravadimi Bartanura, that the Satan was trying to chase away this isle, this ram, so that Yitzchak should be shechted instead of the ram. And it was a miracle, the fact that this ram got stuck there at that time. Now, we, we can get into this story a different time, but there's a, a lesson here which I want to bring out is that many times we think to ourselves, why am I here? Why am I doing this? And we, we can't picture the scenario, what's going on. But we have to know that just like this ram got stuck in this spot at that time, and it changed the course of Jewish history, and it was a miracle. It was directly determined by God that that, Animal should be there at that moment. So we all have to believe that whatever position we're in, whichever place we're in, whichever circumstances in life that we have are all divinely decreed by God for a reason. And there's a, there is a reason. We don't know it. We might not know it. We try to do the right things, but we have to know in our insides that it's for a purpose. And Hashem is orchestrating this. And at the same time, if something's supposed to happen, if we're supposed to get a certain amount of money, if we're supposed to get a certain job, it will happen. And no one can take that money away from you. It's going to come to you, no matter what. And it just this outlook, the fact that the decrees of God and our circumstances in life that everything is where it is supposed to be. We shouldn't think things are out of place. And we should just keep this in mind. And it's also at the side point, the miracle of this ram is also that it's, it's connected to Mashiach, to Messiah. And the commentaries bring down that one of the horns of the ram that was stuck in the bushes was used for the chauffeur by Harsina, by Mount Sinai, when the Torah was given to the Jewish people. And the other horn, which was the bigger horn, will God willing be used to announce the coming of Mashiach speedily in our days, the coming of Messiah. I want to thank everyone for joining me today on the Perkyevos podcast. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out to me at Rabbi Shlomo Kohn with a K at gmail.com. Have a great day, everybody.